0: Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread, episode 108. Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Thread is a podcast for for you if you're somebody that has a, I could call it a non-profit dream doesn't mean you want to work for a nonprofit, although you might. Uh, It just means that you've got dreams beyond having a house and success in life. Your dreams are bigger than that. They're more noble than that. You've got a dream of, of being a person of substance in the world, of being somebody that makes a difference in the lives of other people. And that dream is really what drives you in your deepest self. Well, uh, as a believer, that's where I'm at. And I've lived that dream all my life. Sherry and I are in our 30th year of full-time ministry in exactly the kind of ways that we want it. And we have, uh, we've loved every minute of this. And I know that you will love it too, as you can line up the energies of your life, uh, whether this is something that you do as a vocation or something that you do um, just with the time that you've got outside of your normal work hours. But when you can find your place of service, and when you can find your place in the world that you are making an impact in the lives of others, your life is going to have so much joy and satisfaction. And that's what the Thread Podcast is about. My goal is to take you to a healthy meal of God's Word so that you can have renewed energy for your journey to go deeper into your calling. So that's what the Thread Podcast is all about. That's my goal in in creating these podcasts now today's thread I think you're you're really going to love this topic and today's thread is good especially if you're in one of those times of doubting your own work or questioning the effectiveness of what you're doing you know maybe you're already engaged in trying to do something that will be of impact to others and trying to do something that will uh, you know make a difference in the lives of others, but maybe you're not seeing the fruit that you want to see, and perhaps you're going through a time of setback, and you're having to fight for your victory. And, you know, it's normal in times like that for you to ask yourself, you know, why am I doing this? Uh, And if you will follow the lesson in this thread, and if you will do what it says to do, you can deal with times like those. And let's just jump right into it. We're in Acts chapter 16, Verses 1 through 5, Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Now let me set this up. Paul is emerging from an unfortunate and painful conflict with a dear friend, mentor, and longtime colleague, a man with a gentle spirit named Barnabas. Uh, And they've they've settled on the fact that they're not going to be able to keep working together because they, they just see things differently. And in particular, Barnabas was focused on, um, on ministry to the next generation. And Paul you know, perhaps did not see the value of that ministry at the level that Barnabas did. And they had a lot of words, but you know, Barnabas is a wise man, and he's a, he's a man with a lot of fruit in his ministry, and Paul is, is part of that fruit. It was Barnabas that brought Paul into the circle of believers. And now Barnabas has taken John Mark and is taking him off to nurture him and mentor him as a next generation leader. Paul strikes off on his own with a man named Silas. And Silas is another Jewish brother. He's from Jerusalem. He's a strong man. He's got bold faith, and he more matches Paul in uh, temperament and in perhaps energy. And so... Um, one of the things that we're going to see right here is one of the secrets to accomplishing things in life is simply to start. You know, Paul's had a setback. He's had a personal setback. He's had a relation that, uh, relationship that's been affected. But he's done what he can about it, and it, it is not going to work for him and Barnabas to work together. They still loved each other. They still respected each other but they just weren't going to be able to work together, and they had always worked together. So, you know, it's like a big setback time. And when you're in a time like that, you just need to shake it off. You know, you got to reestablish momentum. Now, if you've done something and you've created a mess, you need to try to clean up your mess. And I think Paul has done that, and Barnabas has done that, and they've done, you know, the thing that Christians need to do to make things right between them, because the history of the early church Uh, you know, will show that they continued to have a relationship and that actually Paul uh, later on reconciles to needing Mark and to seeing the value that is in John Mark, and he understands what uh, Barnabas has seen in that young man, and he actually says that he's very valuable in the ministry. So, you know, there's some things recorded we didn't see, but the point that I'm trying to make is there's been a setback. Everything got messed up. But Paul still has this this dream. He's got in his mind um, a new ministry endeavor, a trip of many years. He's going to start in a general arc, and he's not going to plan it all out. He's going to respond to the circumstances along his way, and he's going to live out his life in this journey. And this, this circle trip that he starts on It will take him years until he comes home, because when he sees an opportunity in a town, he's just going to stay there six months, one year, two years, however long it takes. He's not moving until he knows that he has accomplished what he came to that place to accomplish, and then he'll move to the next place, because Paul is a movement leader. But the number one step, the first step, uh, the secret to accomplishing big things is simply to start, and so initially... He and Silas just have to take up their backpacks and get their stuff and just start putting some miles behind them. They need to turn their back on Antioch and start walking, and they need to buy a ticket and on the, the bus and the boat and the camel and the whatever all he had to move him around. Okay, he didn't have a bus, but he just needed to put some miles on the road, you know? Just get walking. Just initiate the new action and do anything to break the icy hold of inertia. And you know from, um, from physics, inertia is the, the power that keeps objects at rest. Yeah, like, if, like right now beside me on my desk, I've got, these, I've got a glass that's got a drink in it, and I don't have to wonder where that glass is going to be the next time I look over there. It's never going to move. A hundred years from now, that glass will still be sitting there unless someone acts upon the glass because inertia holds that glass in its place and it's not going anywhere in order for me to move it I have to put force I have to grab this glass and use friction and then I have to push against inertia and make this glass move and that's how that's how ministry is in life and that's how the direction of your life is you got to get behind it and just push it sometimes get it moving do something that is action related, Not action-related, I'm not saying think about it, make a better plan. I mean, there's times for that, but a lot of times what you need to do is figure out what the next, in business you call it, an actionable step. It means what's the thing that I can do, physically do? I can do it, I can move something and get, you know, it's like I want to knock over the first domino. So for Paul, the first domino was get my backpack and start walking. So the Scripture says at the end of chapter 15... That he had the uh, elders in the church lay hands on him, and they endorsed what he was doing, and they prayed God's blessings on him. And he and Silas started out. The first stop on his journey was actually for Paul to return to Lystra. And if you remember in our previous lesson, Lystra is the place that had stoned him and dragged him out as dead seven years ago. Uh, he he loved that town, and he just keeps going back to it. And Lystra, you know, has not been. Good to him as a town. They were, that was a town where they were going to make worship to him. Uh, but from the moment Paul boldly reenters Lystra, God rewards him. And he rewards him with Timothy. Paul is actually, you know, I, I think if I could read into this situation, I think that Paul's altercation with Barnabas is still echoing in his mind. And Barnabas has turned on some lights inside of Paul's mind. And even though Paul did not agree when they were arguing about it, and in particular, he didn't think Mark was a worthy recipient of his energy, but he is now thinking a lot about the next generation. And this ministry trip actually completely changes from his previous ministry. Paul is starting to understand the law of the inner circle, and uh, that's important for him, but it's also important for the inner circle members. The law of the inner circle says simply that a leader's ability to achieve is directly related to the quality of people in his circle. Now, no one will follow you unless they see you as ahead of them in life. So if if you're struggling to lead a group of people and they just won't follow you, you need to understand. You probably have the wrong group of people. You need to look for people that are younger than you, and are farther behind in life than you are. Uh, water flows downhill, so we don't typically look to someone who's younger, less experienced, less in every you know human way of evaluating a person's wisdom. Um, you know, if someone's got less drive than we have, we're not going to follow that person. If they want to lead us, they're going to spend all this energy in it, we're not going with them. But if you will reach down, there is always a generation behind you. you know, if you're only 15 years old, I promise you, if you would give your energy to 10-year-olds, they would think you were like a rock star. So there is somebody out there for you to minister to, and if you will bring them into your inner circle, and if you will build them up and give them the skills that you have, because you can only give what you have, But when God gives you something, He's giving it to you so you can pass it on. And we need to find those people that God has called for us to pass our our life's learning on to. And so Paul starts to understand this, I think, in a deeper way. And Barnabas has got him thinking about generational transfer. And Paul's ministry now shifts into an entirely new emphasis that is focused on elevating new leaders. In the past, it was mainly Paul doing all the you know, groundbreaking work. He was powerful in preaching, powerful as an evangelist, good in conflict. But now Paul is starting to see the need to focus more of his energy on the next generation. And in Timothy, God gives Paul his first son in the faith. And let's just read it real quick. Um Chapter 16, verse 1, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. He was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. He's talking about the the letter from before. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. All right, well, let's talk about this for just a minute. In Timothy, Paul has his first son, and Timothy has second-generation faith, which in those days was very rare and very precious, because it meant that Timothy was not the first person in his family who believed. Actually, Paul says in his letter to Timothy, he names his family members. He says, it was your grandmother Lois, and it was your mother Eunice. And they were the first believers. They were Jews. Eunice was married into a Greek family. And Timothy now bridged the gap between the Jew and the Gentile. He had one foot in both worlds, and that was really valuable because of where the church was headed. We were headed out of being a a completely Jewish movement to being a Gentile movement that had Jewish roots, and Paul recognized that Timothy was going to have an ability to minister to people in both worlds because he was not raised in a Jewish subculture completely. He wasn't, you know, he's a grown man, and he's never been circumcised. So his father did not allow him to be pulled in by the, by the women in the family into the Jewish world. And, but Timothy is aware, and his mother has discipled him, and his grandma has discipled him, and he's grown up knowing God's Word and has had the, you know, the heritage of faith put into him. Now, Paul recognizes that the battle with the Pharisees is far from over. And he did not want the accusation that he was actively enticing Jews to abandon their culture and, and the, uh, the commands of the Jewish law. And so he chose his battles carefully, and he doesn't want to fight uh, those people. He wants to let his energy be not on conflict over that old issue because the Jerusalem church has already had a meeting. He has the letter in his hand from the apostles. He can say what the official doctrine is. What he doesn't want is a whole bunch of arguments over the same thing. What he wants to do is focus on young leaders, and he wants to see them go up. He wants to visit the Christians in the region, find the house churches, and spend time with them, strengthening and empowering them. He's choosing his battles, and he's choosing where to focus. And there's a little side note, and this is totally off topic, but I just want to touch on it because it's here. You notice that Barnabas, when Barnabas went out from Paul, Barnabas goes to Cyprus. Paul has ministerial ethics, and God help you. If you're in the ministry and you're listening to me, please develop for yourself a set of ministerial ethics that you do not break. No matter what the circumstance is, you do not break your ethics. For example, if you're on a staff of a church, you don't start a church out of the people in that church. I don't care if they're disgruntled, I don't care if they feel wounded and they're looking for a shepherd, you are on staff with that pastor. He trusts you to serve under him. If you want to start a church, pull up roots and move, but I mean move, move far away from that place and start your own thing from scratch. There's just ethics involved in the ministry, and they're common sense, and anybody would know, well, Paul Paul knows that if he respects Barnabas and if he loves Barnabas, and he does, and if he loves the church, then the last thing he needs to do is go to Cyprus or actually go anywhere that Barnabas is going to be right now because he doesn't want to create confusion. Now, there'll be a time, and he writes about it, when uh, you know they're all traveling in different places and Barnabas ministers in the same churches that Paul ministers, they weren't in competition with each other. Uh, They loved each other, and they saw that they had complementary ministries. But Paul recognizes this, and he also recognizes how much confusion he could sow if he went anywhere near where Barnabas is going. And so he's gone in a totally new uh, angle, you know, to to give Barnabas some space and to make sure that he's being ethical in the way he treats Barnabas and the way he treats the church. Okay, now back to our lesson. So uh, Paul, apparently Timothy's dad is either passed away, or he's won over at this point because Paul is loved by this family. Uh, apparently, seven years ago, when Paul first evangelized in Lystra, he evangelized Eunice and Lois, and they accepted Christ, and they've been walking in the faith now for seven years, and that's borne good fruit in this family, and they loved Paul. They loved him back then, And they love him now when he comes back to town. He's welcomed into this family. So either the father's gotten on board or uh, the father's passed away. But either way, there's no opposition. As Paul uh, says to Timothy, you need to be circumcised because the Jews are going to make a big issue over this. And it's not a matter of your salvation, and it's not about a spiritual reason for you to be circumcised. But it will avoid a whole lot of conflict, and we can focus on Jesus and not on Judaism uh, if we can just do this. So Timothy uh, consents, he's circumcised, and that lets the, the Jews know that he's following Jewish cultural traditions and needs. And then the Paul says, I want to take you, Timothy, under my wing, and I want to nurture and mentor the gifts of God in you. And Timothy wants this. Now Timothy already has a reputation. You know, he, he's he's a young man, but he's already known for his character, for his devotion to God. And you know, let's not ever think that young people do not have real experiences with God. You know, I I started walking with God when I was a teenager, and it was a an up and down spiritual battle because of you know wanting to be popular and uh, having failings, uh, just trying to fit in with other people and not knowing who I was myself, but it was still real and God was wrestling with me and I had true conscience and I saw the truth of sin in my own life. And you know, there's a season in your life when you're not in the ministry yet, but God knows you and you know God and you're already called whether you realize it or not. And God is working in your heart to bring out of you um, a heart for God. And a love for people, and a love for the work of God, and uh, a kind of vision of life that values ministry to people over money. Um, And so Timothy's got that. Everybody sees that. Uh, they, they, They see that he's called. The whole church can look at this young man, and they see that he's a solid disciple. He knows God for himself, and the only thing he really lacks is experience. He just lacks experience and um, a man to mentor him. He needs someone to come into his life and boost him up. And uh, that's really what this lesson's about for me. If you are wondering in your own life if you're making a difference, and I don't know, maybe you've planted a church or maybe you're just trying to influence change in some other way, and you sometimes you have these setbacks and you look at what you're doing and you just maybe have some conflict within your group and you just say, "Man, why am I even doing this? Is this worth doing?" And uh, it's worth doing if you're pouring value, if you're pouring life into the next generation. That's the quickest way to know that you are making a difference. Don't count your numbers. Don't look at how many people are coming this week versus last week, because that's not the um, that's not the metric you should be using. You should be focused on. Do I have a Timothy in my life? And if you don't have one, open your eyes. Start saying, God, who should I pull to myself? That's a younger person. And who should I strengthen? Because that's what uh, verse 4 says, Paul and Silas and now Timothy began to do was they were strengthening the ecclesia, those who answered God's call. They were strengthening those who answered God's call. They strengthened them in the faith. And this new, you know, vigorous attention to pastoral care, it caused growth to go throughout the churches. But it, it wasn't necessarily a growth where it's, you know, three thousand, five thousand. You know, there are those moments when you have this flash growth, but a lot of that stuff goes away just as quickly as it happened, if you don't have the deep foundation of organic growth. And that comes from the pastoral care and and serious attention being paid to next generation leaders and to raising them up so you know that's where Paul's ministry took him for many years now it becomes the focus of his of his life actually till the re- till he dies cuz he starts to see the importance of pouring into a younger person and i just want to encourage you look for a younger person uh, not, not generically, I'm trying to be good for younger people. No, a person. What is the name of a younger person? They may be related to you. They might be a nephew or niece or, you know, you may have somebody like that, but look for that person, in, and in order to make this happen, you're going to have to insert yourself in their life. You know, Timothy did not send an application to Paul and say, please, would you come to Lister and interview me? I'd like to serve as an intern in your ministry. Paul went to Timothy. Paul went into Timothy's family, and as Paul was was ministering, you know, he's looking, and he's going, look at that young man. You see the spark. That kid's got it. He He knows he's called. God's hand is on him. He's being used. I just need to give him what I know, and that's really all that you can do. You know, we just give people what we know, and you can't be possessive of these people because here's one more thing. Timothy, relationships are seasonal. By that I mean, you know, God brings them to us so we can give them what we know, not just that, so we can stabilize and, and build, um, I think identity is the most important part of this, help them see themselves differently. Tell them what you see in their life. And when you see these things, and when you open your mouth and you speak it, and they hear you say it, I'm telling you, it affects them. It goes inside their mind, it, and it releases something. And so, you know, you bring them to yourself, and you pull them in. You give them focused time, and attention. That means it's got to get on the calendar. You need to set up some kind of routine of being with those, with those young people. And so you focus on your Timothy, and you understand, I don't own this person. They're not under my uh, authority as such. This is a seasonal relationship. We're going to be connected for the rest of our lives, but they say the probably 90% of the impact of one life on another happens within the first two years of that relationship. So it's not like we cut off all relationships two years old, but it's we understand that we need to be establishing new relationships all the time because your biggest impact, you got to move around, your biggest impact. Uh, is going to be in those first, uh, those first couple of years. So you give them everything you can give them, and they take it in, and they move higher. And when that happens, we just need to have the humility to understand, we don't know everything. And they're going to need other voices too. And they're going to need to move and start listening to some other people and to shift off. Just understand, you made your investment. You know They're not going to be uh, chained to you for the rest of your life. Go find another Timothy. Sometimes, you know, it's a little disappointing when they, when they do move on. And sometimes they don't, uh, you know, like, you never call, you never write. They don't, you know, they don't stay in touch with you the way you wish they would. But just know you made an investment in them. And that's the investment that you can count on your blue days when you're feeling uh, sad and down. So go find yourself a Timothy. And if you've had one and they moved on, uh, go find another one. And, and ladies, you can do this too. Wow, the difference... I wish I had time to just tell you what it did in the lives of our kids when, uh, especially uh, our girls, when they were, say, 15, 14, very self-conscious, and a 20-year-old girl in ministry in our church would look at them and say, hey, you want to come join me in my... And wow, you should see the lights go on inside of them. And, And, you know, like I can, as a parent, I can say... You don't need to get involved in in boys you know relationships with boys and all these pretend marriages and pretend divorces you just need to focus on growing up stay with your friends you know i can say that and it and it will have some impact but when a 20 year old girl puts her arm around you know my daughter and says you're too valuable to give yourself to some other teenage boy when god's got a big future out there for you and i want you to promise me that you're going to choose your future over anything else. And, you know, that's impact. It does take a village to raise a child. And whatever side of that you're on, you know, if you've got, uh, if you've got a child that needs a mentor, go find somebody. Find somebody trustworthy and say, hey, would you spend just a little time with my son or my daughter? And uh, if you're in need of somebody to minister to, go look, because they're everywhere. Okay, here's the discussion question for the website. How has mentoring worked in your own life? If it happened in your life, where did it come from? Who mentored you? How did it work? You know, how long did the relationship last? What did they do? Just, you know, just share a little bit from your own experience, if you don't mind. Uh, let us know what has worked in mentoring. We can all get some good ideas from you. And I want you to send me some questions, okay? So. On the uh, Quinley.com, you just go Quinley.com slash questions, plural, and you'll see a little box there. You touch the button and start talking. Uh, Record your call and leave your questions. We're going to develop that in the future and start answering your questions. Uh, Also, if you're appreciating what you're finding in the Thread podcast, please help us spread the word. We put a lot of work into this, and it'll help if you will get behind us and help push the push the knowledge of uh, the podcast out there. And the two ways you can do that are, first of all, go quinly.com slash iTunes and give us a rating at the iTunes store and a comment. And secondly, if you'll go Quinly.com slash love and give us some love on Facebook that people know about the Thread podcast. And we will appreciate that because we'll be doing So that's all for this week. Look, expect God to use you. See you next time for more on Thread. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Log on to quinley.com